0: This episode of Punk Rock HR is sponsored by The Star Conspiracy. The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Brudeman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Meg Daly. She's a certified coach, a former corporate healthcare executive, and the founder of the Live More, Drink Less community. That's right, Meg is someone who's focused on helping you live alcohol-free so you can begin sleeping deeper, feeling lighter, and living better. Meg's on the show today talking about her 30-day alcohol reset and also a little bit about her podcast, The Tranquility Talk. I am all about thinking through questions these days, like, can you be excellent when you're drinking? And also, what does it mean to be excellent? And is it okay just to drink on the sofa and watch the news? And boy, Meg has got some answers to those questions. So if you're currently curious about your relationship with alcohol, or you just wanna know more about a 30-day alcohol reset, we'll sit back and enjoy Meg Daily on this week's Punk Rock HR. Hey Meg, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Lori. Thank you. Well, I'm pleased to have you. Before we get started, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? My name is Meg Daly, and I am the creator of the
1: Live More, Drink Less 30-Day Reset, and it started during COVID. I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I went on a 90-day reset with a friend, and the way we got through it was I created audios and homework, and I thought, well, why don't I share this with my community? and it just took off from here. And I also have a podcast called The Tender Love. Podcast. We just went through a rebrand. So, you know, it's all about I provide a space for people, but specifically people who really understand this idea of being highly sensitive, empathic. And I provide a space of nurturing for people who want more comfort and calm, whether it be professionally or personally.
0: Well, who doesn't want that? I feel like the world is currently ready for a reset. So let's talk about your 30-day reset. Can we go into what it is? You mentioned it got started during COVID. What did you feel like was going on? in your life that you're like, I need a reset happening right now?
1: I became very dependent on, I call it my nightly date with Mr. P and David Muir. I would go into my den and I'd have Mr. P, my Pinot Noir and watch David Muir. And especially during COVID, it really kicked up during COVID. And I just would wake up every morning and sometimes it was a glass and a half of wine. Sometimes it was a whole bottle. You know, I woke up every morning just feeling like not a lot of energy, didn't sleep well, feeling like I had a little bit of the flu. And I was in therapy at that time for anxiety. And my therapist had said to me, you know, Meg, let's talk about this wine that you have every day. And I was like, do we really need to? <laughs> and she went on to explain that people with true anxiety, there are medical studies shown that on the third day after drinking, you know, we think, oh, the next day you're hungover. But with people with true anxiety, it's the third day their anxiety is totally peaked. And I thought, well, I'm on a perpetual high then because I was having a glass or two or more of wine every night. And I went to her, I went to someone else who are therapists, you know, for addiction. And they're like, no, you're not an alcoholic. You're someone who is leaning on alcohol to ease the overwhelm. But it's actually inflaming it.
0: Well, I'm curious about that because, you know, the language around alcohol consumption is changing right now. So it's interesting to me that back in the day, people were either alcoholics or they weren't. And now there's this whole spectrum of alcohol use and disuse that could lead to people questioning what do I need? Do I need AA? Do I need to go to rehab? And what if you're just a corporate drinker, you know, where you're drinking because of work, right? So I'm fascinated by this. How did you know you weren't a quote unquote alcoholic?
1: because I was able to stop when I was able to stop. I mean, I was leaning on food. I was a closet little smoker. It was all, I hope my mother's not listening to this. Wait, I
0: just have to say, so many people who drink are closet smokers. It's like they get a glass of wine in them and they're at like a conference and then they grab a cigarette. It's fascinating. It is. And I just knew that like, I
1: didn't even like smoking. One of my doctors said, oh, it's the breathing. You might want to try breath work, Meg, but it's the repetitive breathing of the cigarette. And I just knew deep in my heart that I wanted to step into wellness and I was able to, and I wasn't addicted to these things because I could believe them for a week or so, but it was stealing my joy. And I know that sounds a little Pollyanna, but it was, it was stealing my joy. And it was also stealing my performance at work in the corporate world for years. And I look back on how it was really ruining the bottom line for myself and for my company that I worked for.
0: Wait, do you really feel that way? Because I think, you know, companies get what they get, they get the whole employees. So if I show up hungover, that's just part of the package because other days I'm going to kill it. But that's an interesting take on that because it's almost as if you're saying you were taking from the bottom line, correct? Yeah, I had a lot of
1: shame around that because, you know, I was in sales part of a actual a medical diagnostic company, ironically. And there was a lot of partying at the meetings, et cetera. And then thanks to my anxiety, I would get the Sunday night blues, right? We talk about that. And so I would get out the bottle of wine just to have that sweet escape from the week ahead and I was not on my A game. I was not on my A game. And so I look back on that and I had a lot of shame for that for quite a while because I thought, oh, I could have just done so much better and you know, I let my team down. And yet now I look back on myself during that time with tenderness, like, oh gosh, poor you. You were really struggling.
0: So you come to this realization during COVID that you want to step into wellness, that you want to live a different life, that you want more joy, more happiness. And you decide with a friend or a colleague to do a reset. So from there, this whole ecosystem has spawned. So tell me a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah. So like I said, it was a Sunday morning. I was laying in bed feeling a little hungover and my friend called, hey, let's go on a 90 day reset. I'm being called to do that. I said, oh, absolutely. And I literally popped up in bed and I think it was something other than myself that was like pushing me to do this. And so I walked to the calendar in the pantry and I opened the door and I counted off the 90 days and I had buyer's remorse right away. What am I going to do? How am I going to get not insignificant. Yeah. I know. I know. And I had done these before and I always self-sabotage like on the last day. 21 day reset from alcohol, I'd have a glass of Chardonnay on day 20. So anyway, I thought, how am I going to get through this? Oh, dear God. And I think what was different for me this time is I really... I started creating my tribe, I guess you could say, my clan of following people, Annie Grace, The Naked Mind, just a lot of different people and podcasts. And I learned, I started educating myself on rather than white knuckling it, what can I do? And so, yes, I started doing my audios in my walk-in closet every morning for my girlfriend who was on it and creating homework for us, which is now the 30 Day Reset. And I also, again, just started creating community online on Instagram. And what I realized was if I could change my thought about what I was doing, everything would change. So things like time traveling to the next morning, like, okay, I can drink tonight. And then how is my day going to look, you know, tomorrow? If I don't drink, how's it going to look? Before I went to bed, I'd say, because I didn't drink alcohol today, I XYZ, you know, I worked out, I, you know, a multitude of things. So it's getting into the mind and reframing and also realizing that, you know what, going alcohol free is kind of the cool thing these days. And there's so many alternatives, non-alcoholic wine, champagne, beer, etc.
0: As you were talking about how you began your own journey over those 90 days, I was thinking about how many people have to work during those 90 days surrounded by alcohol. So you mentioned that you were in sales. And so the idea that you could give up alcohol for 30 or 90 days is impressive because for so many individuals, especially now that COVID is quote unquote over, they're required to go out and socialize. And even though there are mocktails and you can drink seltzer waters, right, non-alcoholic drinks, there's still something about sitting down with your colleagues or a prospective client or a team or an association and having that drink. And it's almost as if when you don't, people comment on that. So I don't know, I'm just struck by how you were able to do it. And I wonder if being in isolation actually During COVID was an advantage.
1: Absolutely, and when I talk about my corporate life, that was years ago. During COVID, when I started this, I had my own business, the coaching, et cetera. And so, you are spot on. I had an easier time because there were no happy hours. My girlfriends weren't calling after work saying, "Let's go get drinks down the street." You know, we weren't having the team dinners with the alcohol, so it was much, much easier for me. So, what I recommend and offer up for people is that it's a very tender time, especially those first 30 days. And if you're like me, you know, it's a fragile time. You have to have a plan because what you're doing is you're taking something out and you've got to put something really lovely in, whether it be getting a massage instead of going out for drinks, whether it be making a list of all the things you love to do and plugging them into your calendar. I want to address though what you said about the pressure of meeting colleagues for drinks, etc. I think that that's a judgment call. Is it really required? Do you have to
0: do that? It's a fair question. You know, I was just talking to someone who said, in my line of business, I recruit people in finance in the UK. And if I don't have a drink at the pub, or if I were to order like a non-alcoholic drink, I would look weird. I deal with people who are in IT sales, right? And they're out of San Francisco. And part of the whole culture now of being in IT sales is really drinking, right? So they may have stories that they tell themselves and that may differ from reality. But yeah, I think there is just this assumption around certain industries and certain jobs that you have to drink. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that's totally spot on.
1: And so how about I give a little strategy? Yeah, I would love that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, ideally we want to get to the point where we're so empowered and confident and happy in our life to say, you know, I'm just not attracted to alcohol right now. I'm going to take a pass. And we have that fear. And I can tell you a lot of times it's unfounded, at least for me and the people I work with, they're like, oh my God, no one really cared. And what we find is the people that do care are the ones that are kind of like leading in because they've been thinking it too. But before you get to that point, I know a former colleague of my, He would actually be early to the restaurant and say to the bartender or the waitress, I'm going to order a gin and tonic. Please just give me seltzer, put a lime in it. Worked like a dream. Another strategy is I'm having some blood work done in the morning for medical reasons. Another strategy is, oh, I've got an early morning meeting. You know, I haven't been sleeping well and I just know I sleep better without alcohol. But it's real, like what you pose, it's real.
0: Absolutely. Well, I love that you've kind of created a community and created a toolkit that, you know, can arm individuals. And as we were talking before, about how becoming sober during COVID may have been easier because you weren't out drinking. For other people, it was the opposite, right? Like COVID really drove dependency rates, really drove people to drink, drove people to use drugs and alcohol in disordered ways. So it's my understanding that a study last year found that alcohol consumption in the U.S. increased by 14% during the pandemic, and women increased their heavy drinking by 41%. So as you can see, alcohol use is increasing for some individuals. And for others, they were able to get healthier during COVID. I wonder if you can talk about your 30-day reset and how that might be useful to those individuals who are coming out of COVID into the real world and really struggling with some alcohol dependency issues. Absolutely. So we
1: have a wonderful community. It's a tight-knit community where the 30-day reset is a whole learning library. It's a daily audio, daily homework. There's a journal, there's a diary. And then every week we have a workshop and we've got this wonderful online community where people share. They get And do their own sharing of what's working for them. And going back into The workforce into work, like out into the world, right? It's nice to have something where, because my 30 day reset, I always say you should allocate about 30, 40 minutes a day on the homework. And it's something to go to. And what I hear from people is that it's like the sanctuary that the tools that we offer, you know, they're easy to implement and they work. And people, you know, really feel cared for. Again, you've got to find community, whether it's my program or someone else's, because it's tough to. To do it on your own, especially now that we're more out in the world.
0: So is the assumption that you go through your 30-day reset program and you arrive at the end of the 30 days alcohol-free and that continues, or do you have participants, active people in your community who go back to drinking but have a different relationship with alcohol?
1: Yes, you're spot on. So I like to say you're the guru of you. You know what works for you. So some people come into my 30-day reset wanting to just go alcohol-free, other just want to do a reset and get to a place where they can moderate. You know, I read an article in NPR a couple of years ago, and they studied people who did a 30-day reset, and then they would go back to moderating and drinking. Then they think, hmm, that kind of felt good. I think I felt better. I think I slept better. I was releasing weight. My skin looked better. I was more patient at work and at home. I'm going to go back and I'm going to do another 30-day reset, but then I'll moderate. And this process would go back and forth. And actually what would happen is that they just organically and naturally moved to abstinence and that's been my story over the past couple of years because I mean I went for longer than 90 days and then I thought well I could moderate and then I would have my wine and I'd be like I'm just not attracted to it anymore which I never thought in a million years I would get to that place where I could take it or leave it.
0: Do you still find yourself watching David Muir though? Because I think there's something about alcohol and TV like sitting on the couch just getting a break from the world like that behavioral repetition can be so self soothing. And I just wonder if you can decouple TV from alcohol. Like, can you do it? Can you go back and watch hot little David Muir? I love that guy. David (laughs) Muir.
1: I love him, especially the way he sits with his arm. He's like, we've got a lot going on tonight.
0: He does. He's just going to (laughs) tell you how it's going on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it took a while, but yes, I am the mocktail queen. Now I follow people on Instagram, one woman in particular who makes drinking alcohol-free mocktails so elegant and so cool. And I've ordered so much of the products that she recommends. And so I make these beautiful concoctions, not every night. Some nights I'll just do, I call it my ginger pop fizz, you know, like some ginger lemonade and, you know, a Topa Chico water. But I put it in a wine glass and it's more for me the ritual. I know Lear's has a great champagne and it tastes like champagne. And that's the funny thing. So yeah, I still do watch the news, especially like when I go visit my parents, they do that and they have their cocktail and that's fine. And I make, you know, in the summertime, Ritual Zero Proof has an amazing smoky tequila and I I'm telling you the margarita tastes the exact same. So yes, David and I are back together.
0: <laughs> well, I love it. I'm here for romance. I'm here for ritual. I'm here for it all. And I'm actually here for the 30-day reset. I think it's so important for people to step out of their comfort zone and try new things and really learn about themselves in different ways. And so if people are curious out there and want to take this journey with you, where should they go? Sure, they can go to
1: MegKDaily.com. Yes, I had to use my middle initial. Someone else has Meg Daily, But it's just MegKDaily daily.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Meg K daily. So lots of information there as well.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll make sure to include everything in the show notes. And if you could leave our listeners with one idea about resetting, rethinking their relationship with alcohol, what would that be? I would make the decision
1: to plan your Friday night on how you want to feel Saturday, start coming up with ideas, farmer's market, you know, it's summertime now farmer's market, going out for brunch with girlfriends, like doing something in the morning and paying attention and doing that flash-forward trick of, okay, what are my choices tonight? I'm gonna make my choices tonight based on how I wanna feel tomorrow morning.
0: Well, I'm certainly excited to give that a try. Meg, thanks again for being a guest on today's podcast. Thank you, Lori. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Punk Rock HR. We are proudly underwritten by The Star Conspiracy, The Star Conspiracy is the B2B marketing agency for innovative brands creating the future of workplace solutions. For more information, head on over to thestarconspiracy.com. Punk Rock HR is produced and edited by RepCap with special help from Michael Thibodeau and Devin McGrath. For more information, show notes, links, and resources, head on over to punkrockhr.com. Com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.